season's going to end on a double doink. The Philadelphia Eagles are Super Bowl champions. Eagles fans everywhere, this is for you. Let the celebration begin. There's going to be a parade on Broadway. And your hosts, Brendan Deeg and Eric Warner. Hester's going to take it all the way for a touchdown. Hello, football faithful. Welcome back to another episode of Eagle Sock with Deeg. My name is Brendan Deeg. Thank you so much for tuning in today. If you haven't already, please hit that subscribe button. It would be greatly appreciated if you can review the podcast, if you can rate the podcast, wherever you do listen to your podcast, that would also be greatly appreciated. Quick point here on my apologies for the audio on yesterday's episode of the Double Doing Podcast. It was just re-uploaded, so thank you for your patience. The audio was a little bit messy. We had to tweak around with it, but all is good. Going forward, today's episode is sponsored by Manscaped. Manscaped is the global leaders in below-the-waist grooming. They want you to shave your pubes with the Tom Brady of ball trimmers, the brand new lawnmower 4.0, only the GOAT technology for the greatest balls of all time. When you're going towards the end zone, make sure you use the right tools to job and choose Manscaped. Two million men worldwide trust them, so join them with our exclusive offer. Inside the Performance Package 4.0, you'll find their brand new lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, weed whacker, ear and nose hair trimmer, crop preserver, ball deodorant, crop reviver toner, plus two free gifts, performance boxer briefs, and the Shed Travel Bag. Get 20% off and free shipping with code DOINK, D-O-I-N-K, DOINK, at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping with code DOINK, at manscaped.com. Take your ball defense to the promised land with Manscaped. Today's episode is also sponsored by CoolBet. CoolBet is the most transparent gaming company in the world. CoolBet also provides the best odds in Canada with world-class customer service. For first-time users, use the deposit code DOINK, D-O-I-N-K, DOINK, for a 100% welcome bonus up to $200 when signing up with CoolBet. That's code DOINK, D-O-I-N-K, DOINK, and CoolBet will match your first deposit up to $200. Give our friends at CoolBet Canada a follow on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at CoolBet Canada. CoolBet, stay cool and bet responsibly. I'm happy to join by my friend, my man, Thomas Peterson, is back. Thomas, how are you doing? Today? I'm back. You're back, baby. <laughs> how are things? Things are great. Um, they were better last week, of course. I think we all know why. Yep. But things are always great. Love to hear it. I was uh, I was actually at the game. I flew home on you Monday. Were. How was yeah, that? It was, it was great, man. It was it was a blast. It was great to see a lot of people have interacted with on social media, get some faces to their names. Um, obviously, yeah. saw saw the Fourth and John crew. That's where I started my my career in this. I always have to thank them for getting my foot in the door here. So it was great to see some of them. Uh, I always wondered, Brendan, how many times have you been to Eagles games? Like I, in that, Philadelphia? That was my second. So I was actually at mm. I was at Carson Wentz's return in mm -hmm. 2018 of Week Three when they played the Colts. So it was his first game back from the torn ACL. I was at that game. It was pouring rain that day. So that one, um, they did win that game actually. Derek Barnett sacked uh, Andrew Luck. To win it, I think with like ten seconds left, so that one was a little more exciting uh, than the 49ers game. Oh yeah, it, it was the, the atmosphere on Sunday was awesome too. The, like the first half, like the we're going to talk about, we're going to get into the game, but like the Eagles, the first, I think they had three. The 49ers had like three and uh, three three and outs to start to, to start the game. So the Eagles defense had the crowd rocking. Uh, just the second half, of course, didn't go as planned. But we are uh, we're going to get into it, but man. Why don't we start with the positive? And the man who is now the third highest ranked offensive lineman, according to PFF, Jordan Mailata, just absolutely taking the lead by storm here. Why don't we start with what you saw from him in the 49ers game? 
Yes. Um, let's. Uh, yeah. Let's go through my lot. Um, it was a very different game to watch uh, and to go through than the Falcons game, and I, I understand where PFF are coming from in terms of of the grade of him. But this was by no means uh, as smooth of a game. You could really tell that these are these were two good players going at it, and the thing that that I was I was kind of expecting a little bit with with uh, with Bosa because the thing he's really good at is, is explosive counter moves. Uh, Mylata has become uh, very good at, at, at taking on the initial move from a defender, but still the thing that he works on is is once once the initial move has died down a little bit and once the momentum has died, and and the um and the pass rusher goes into goes into the counter move. That's where he usually gets beat when it, uh, when it does happen. And I think Boza did a really good job. Uh, he had some some reps where he absolutely dominated Mylata, but for the most part, I think that it it looked like it looked like a game between two equally good players, and that mm-hmm. in itself is is amazing to say for um for Mylata now only in his uh, in his fourth year to be able to to say like uh, there was a guy that pointed out to me like Boza has been playing this game and has been on the gridiron for all his for his entire life to get to the mm-hmm. point where he is now, and for Mylata to go out there and look as competent as he did just speaks to the volume of, 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 you know, how impressive he is at this point. Yeah. So did you, so he gave up the one, it looks like he gave up the one sack to Bosa on the one play. I think it was, I think it was third and two from the Eagles 45. I don't remember. Yeah. Exactly yeah the, and, but it looked like the entire line kind of collapsed on that play, right? Like Jason actually, Kelsey got blown up. Yeah, yeah, you hit it on it right there. Actually, it was yeah. Jason Kelsey getting blown up um, yeah. on an overload stunt to uh, to the strong side over there with uh, with Lane Dickerson and um, and Kelsey. And Dickerson actually had a pretty good rep um, at that point. They were stunting the insides uh, to overload the uh, to overload that right side of the Eagles' offensive line. And um, um, Eric Armstead, who, who had an absolutely he phenomenal was a monster. Game. He was a monster. He was a monster. Yeah, he, he, was he made great. Brandon Brooks look like he should not have returned to football. <laughs> I mean, that he, he was he was that good. Yeah. Um. So bear that in mind when you if you decide to rewatch the game when also looking at at Dickerson that he made Brooks look silly too. Mm-hmm. Uh. So so Eric Armstead comes in crashing to the A gap with a ton of momentum and and hits uh hits Kelsey moving backwards and that also affects Dickerson and then it becomes like. Uh, becomes a domino effect of the entire right side collapsing at that point. But mm-hmm. actually, I think uh, Diggerson had a good rep there. Um, Malata was he wasn't beat beat, but he got pushed back uh, a lot by Bosa to to supply to the collapse of the pocket on that rep. But that's not that actually not the the play that I was um, that I think was most mostly controversial in terms of the no pressures, no sacks, no hits. There is a play where um, where Hertz gets it off to Kenny Gainwell. In the uh, in the flat on like a flood concept, so he okay. he, he picks. Oh, it's not Ken Gamble, it's Miles Sanders. My bad. Um, and there at that uh, rep, uh, Bosa actually comes in and hits um, uh, Hertz as he delivers that checkdown on a uh, on a really really good uh, club move where he first he um, he hits Mylata in the chest, so he gets pushed back. Like, like this speaks to 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 the strength of Bosa, right? He just he hits him with both hands in his chest. Mylata gets pushed back out of balance, and then he counter moves by going to the edge, and then he hits um and then he hits hurt, so he gets pushed down there on that rep. Gets the completion, so it's not a rep that p- people talk about as much. But mm-hmm. those are the like those examples of you know where 
those are the mo- more controversial ones where I would definitely rec- um, I would definitely note that as a QB hit. Or probably also like I can't disagree if you want to go with uh, if you want to say that it was a sack on the 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 uh, aforementioned play that we just talked about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think I, like I didn't. I, that was the only tape I didn't watch that you did break down. But I will say, uh, it's incredible to see this guy being great. Like third highest PFF grade, top six in run block and pass block grade from PFF. Like he's right. doing, he's best of both worlds. Like he's he's killing it in both in both run game and pass game. So. I think the watch. same goes. Um, the the same goes for last week when we were talking about. I think the conversation on Eagles Twitter, um, regarding PFF grades last week, which was Javon Hargrave and how he was rated above Chandler Jones in terms mm-hmm. of um of uh, of pressure grades, right? As a pass rusher, and you say, all right, he got fi- he got five sacks. How could that be? How could that be worse than Javon Hargrave who only got two? And and looking at my lot, he's saying, all right, he's the third highest graded, but how can he be that when he gave up a a hit there or a sack there or something like that but I, I think you're just drawing the wrong conclusions if that's the way you're, you're going about it you shouldn't take Agreed. that you shouldn't take that grade as if all right oh okay so he's the third best player no you should more say that are they're grading they're using analytics and and and, and uh people who 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 um as a living watch football and grade football they think he is so good that they they're grading him at that point that in itself should be um, should be enough, really, as a takeaway that it, he's even in the conversation of being one of the better offensive linemen, more so than where he is ranked specifically and what specific grade he has been given. One hundred percent agree. Okay, so you did bring up Landon Dickerson about two minutes ago. Uh, you did a, you did a tape breakdown on him. It was great. You did kind of warn the audience before the tape that hey, this is this is a rookie offensive lineman coming right. in midway through the game. So we know kind of level, yeah, level your expectations uh, before you watch it. Uh, I thought you, you, it was a great job. You, you killed it, and it, it gave me a better because from from the from the stands, it didn't look like he played a very good game. But when I rewatched it, he did some nice things. Like there was that one play, and, you, and I want you to talk about it. The one play it was in the red zone where it was a terrible play called by Sirianni. It was a rollout to the right, yeah. but there was only one route. It was I think it was only Zach Ertz is the only yeah, guy that's in, in, in the route, and Landers gets it comes back and kind of saves Hertz with kind of a chip block. Going the other way, but just in general, what 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 kind of uh, what kind of took your eye from the Landon Dickerson tape when you broke it down? I think the um, the thing that stood out to me was that he didn't make the same mistake twice. Um, he was he was as advertised in the run game. He is he you can just tell it, it's natural for him on on zone blocking schemes how the progression is and how you want to attack a defensive lineman when you're working in combination with. Uh, either uh, the center or 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 the tackle, in that you wanna you wanna attack half man and leave yourself. You wanna give enough power, but also be in a position where you're mobile enough to get up to the second level. So you don't wanna get tied up too much in the block with the de- with the defensive lineman and uh, and understanding the rules of who has to who has to advance to the second level, right? Because if if you're um let's say it's Dickerson and Lane, right, and, and you have a, a three tech defensive tackle, so that's right in between uh, the both of them. So he's right, he's splitting the middle of them. If the if the defensive tackle he stunts to the inside of Dickerson uh, 
that means Lane has to has to be the one to get up to the second level, and 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 Dickerson will just fully be responsible of the three of the um the defensive lineman. Whereas if the um if the lineman goes more towards Lane, then Dickerson will be responsible of going up to the second level, and he just understands that from the get go. That's something that took a little while with Herbig. We saw he Herbig b- became very good at it towards the end of last season. Um, but that's just something we see right out of the gate. Um with Dickerson. So that's very impressive. I think where he needs needs to work the most and also where you could tell that he was nervous and you know the speed of the game was very different from from what he's used to in the in the collegiate level was in the past game and mm-hmm. he was thrown in the fire. I mean DJ Jones, we talked about DJ Jones leading into the game and how he was he a monster was, too. He was a he was both a him and Armstead blew, up, blew I mean, up the how, interior line. That big man has some explosiveness. Are you kidding me? And and I, re- I you got to take those things into account as well. Because if I, we're going to go into the Dallas game uh, in, in just a minute, right? But just to, to finish up on, on 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 Dickerson with that, like in terms of that, I expect him to have a much better game going against some defensive Agreed. linemen who are n- not all at a, a, at an above average level um, in this league already. So we're going to talk about that weak Dallas line in a bit. Right, Don't right. worry. I got some stats on that. <laughs> so, uh, like to keep it uh, keep it a little bit short. Um, a lot of things to work on. He, he, a bunch of like a handful of plays were blown up directly as a result of Dickerson. That's you know that's what you take when you when you bring in a rookie in there in his first game, come back from an ACL. But I think it was some some good things to work to um to work with uh, moving forward, and you could definitely see the talent. Agreed. Yeah, I don't think I don't think fans should be worried. Just get, let the guy let the guy play. Look, just get thrown in like like home opener halfway through the game against that 49ers D line. Like not the easiest situation to be put into. So I'm not I'm not going to crush him. And again, he did he did show some good things. Okay, why don't we touch on Jalen Hurts here? We'll we'll mix kind of Smith and Hurts and kind of into one. My biggest takeaway from your from your film breakdown because I, I, look, I didn't think Hurts played. Terrible to begin with. I thought they, they definitely left some meat on the bone uh, with some plays we're going to break down. But I, I do think the biggest takeaway from this was how well the 49ers defense played and maybe just kind of how confused he was. Like there was a lot. He didn't really – after the first read, he didn't really kind of hit his man. There was one play to Greg Ward. There was a big deep out to Greg Ward. It was kind of open and hurts. just kind of took off running. I think that might be one of my biggest critiques is you need to maybe sit in the pocket a tad longer and wait for you guys to get open. But in, just in general, I don't think he played awful. I think his numbers kind of swayed his performance overall. Yeah, and we talked about it a little bit after the Falcons game, you know, the, this um, the scramble trigger that mobile quarterbacks sometimes have because they're comf- uh, they're comfortable moving out the pocket and getting mm-hmm. on the move and you know you can always defend your play if you're getting five yards and maybe even a first down um and and afterwards you can look in hindsight and say well this guy was open why didn't you stay in the pocket and deal with that and you can well i mean you scrambled and got a first down you can't really complain too much about it right but um but as a result of that you you, you could tell um, you could tell the 49ers defensive front and all the stunts they were doing and how they on a consistent basis, just one at one point on the line and consistently brought pressure at some point on the line. You could see how that affected Hertz in a big in a big way, because like you said, if if the first read wasn't really there for him, more often than not, he would he would start to move and. Yep. On, on a couple of occasions, he stands in the pocket and actually delivers the ball. And and uh, <clears throat> one of them was uh, was the shot for um, for Devontae Smith, um, which was uh, which was underthrown. Not the one that, uh, you know, there was the, the one 
the 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 play action rollout where he kind of jumps into the throw. It looks kind of weird. The ball comes to the it's somewhere around the end zone. That's not the one I'm talking about. The one I'm talking about is where he he's singled up. He's to the right side of the field and and he absolutely beats his guy. And there's just not enough juice in the pass. And yeah. that's one of the the, um, the plays where they got people thinking are noodle arm can you not throw it long enough uh, what's going on here on that play he actually stands in the pocket with eric armstead flying across his face he's he sidesteps a little bit and you can tell he wants to step into the throw but he can't because i think it's dj jones who is who's all over lane johnson and kind of you know uh, pushes him into um hurts so he takes he takes the shot and it's the right read but he can't step up into the throw so so those mm-hmm. are one of the like and, and as a quarterback you see all right so i'm i'm in the pocket i read the right guy being open i tried to make the throw but i can't freaking step into the throw so the natural progression for him goes all right i gotta move out the pocket i gotta get space i gotta find space to, to move around in um so you could definitely tell how that that pressure affected him and i think the um the 49ers uh secondary did a, a really good job in zone coverage i mean man coverage is easy to read and whether or not you complete the pass depends a lot on the timing between the quarterback and the receiver and whether the receiver understands his route good enough to get that little bit of separation required to get the um to get the completion right but zone coverage is a lot more tricky and the variability between the teams that are good at it and those that are 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 terrible at it is so so huge like if you Mm -hmm. have a, a team where where the the hook to curl defenders don't read where the wide receivers are. They're going to be open across the middle all the time. We, we saw mm-hmm. that with, um, you know, Calvin Ridley, the first catch he made against the Eagles. None of those linebackers had any idea Calvin Ridley was in the middle. Um, and but but the but the, the way San Francisco plays it is they're they're playing um, they're playing in the sense that that uh, I, I I sometimes I used to call it a catch zone when I played linebacker and that's the way we were taught. So if we have a guy coming into our zone and we're playing man on the outside, then we're picking up that guy and moving with him all the way across the field. So it becomes sort of like man. We're walling off the guy. If he comes in, if he comes into my zone, that's my guy. And then I'll essentially man up on him. That is one way to play zone, and it's a way. It is an effective way to confuse the quarterback because he's reading that linebacker and saying, "All right, he's going to drop back into his zone. This dude is going to get open." When he comes across the middle in between these and then he gets picked up and then he goes, oh what the hell like you know what i mean mm-hmm. i thought i think tamika ryan's called a hell of a game like you can you tell and in, in your film breakdowns you were kind of like you, there was a couple where you're like look at these coverages like look at look at there was one that was that you like you couldn't tell if it was cover four like they, they were they were kind exactly. of moving they, like the disguise that they had all game what was brilliant and they did a great like the halftime adjustments like another thing like they the way they adjusted from halftime i thought it was just a great coaching job on the defensive side of the ball on the offensive ball, I don't think the 49ers played very well. I don't really want to dive into it. I talked about it on my podcast yesterday. I, I don't really understand what Kyle Shanahan's doing on the offensive side of the ball with Jimmy Garoppolo. He just their offense looks weird right now. But uh, that's the conversation for a different day. Um, some hurts points that I have here. I, I want to ask you this: Are you like you talked about the arm strength towards the timing? Are you concerned at all about his arm strength? Because I think Not it's more of a, I think it's a timing issue right now. Absolutely I don't think he's getting the ball out right now. Like the one play you talk about, the Devonta Smith deep shot, you had a great you got a great a clip of it in your film breakdown. He had to let the ball go when Devonta Smith was at the thirty five yard line, and like you could see, Devonta Smith had his man beat. He was open. If he gets that ball out at the thirty five, it's a touchdown. But he, yeah. Devonta Smith is at the twenty yard line by the time he lets it go, and by that time, like you you have to make like a perfect sixty yard back of the end zone throw that's just not going to happen not many quarterbacks can make that throw i think it's a timing issue right now for jalen hurts that is absolutely just setting yourself up in a position to 
to make it harder than it actually is. You're de- you're absolutely right about that. Um, it is it, it is a timing. Uh, it is more a timing thing, and sometimes it's a it, it's a matter of getting the feet set correctly on that yep. specific play you're mentioning there. Maybe if he actually steps into the throw and delivers like the force of his entire body uh, into that throw, maybe he gets that it gets it down there to the back of the end zone. But you don't even have to get to that point where you have to do that, right? Uh, make it easier for yourself and just make it a good timing pass. And we saw good timing with uh, with the Rager pass, with the Quest Watkins pass. Those those both trail around 40, 50 yards in the air. So so there is no problem delivering um, a ball down the field. The one to, to uh, Devontae Smith I told you about uh, a, a little bit earlier here where, where that was also underthrown is where he can't step up into the throw. And so that's not very uh, that isn't very representative of his arm strength because he simply couldn't step into the throw that is all arm that throw mm-hmm. was all arm uh and considering that it traveled kind of far <laughs> yeah and i, I thought the right like if rager catches that football or when he caught it but if rager stays in bounds catch the football we're talking like all the storylines are different here like you know what i mean like that i thought that play was so crucial to the entire game and that will transition nicely into kind of what i want to ask you here are you are you worried that Jalen Rager might be kind of taking Kez Watkins' playing time a little bit right now? I don't really know how to put it, but I think Kez Watkins needs more playing time, and he looks like the better receiver. Look, I'm obviously a Jalen Rager guy, been defending that guy forever, but right now Kez Watkins, in my opinion, is playing better football. I, I do think that was actually Rager's fault on Seth going to bounce. Like, I don't think that anything to Jalen Hurts. Jalen Rager has to stay in bounds there. Like, I don't really – Get how like, you can't get pushed out there. Like you, that's an NFL play that an NFL receiver needs to make. And I, I think right now, Kez Watkins needs to be on the field, maybe at the same amount that Jalen Rager is, or even more. I think they're trying to they're trying to distribute playing time as evenly as they can. I think. Yeah, yeah I really agree with that. To... It, it, it looks like they're, like they're trying to get everyone involved, like spread out, like across the board, right? Yeah, I think he has a. Uh... A major emphasis on getting on getting everybody out there on the field and and especially um question rager and distributing that kind of equally well so jalen so kez watkins played 48 percent of snaps week one 50 week two jalen rager 70 percent week one 72 percent week two so there's he's getting more he's, he's, yeah he's getting more playing time and the target share like tar- jalen rager has 11 targets through two games because watkins only has five and Watkins is leading the team right now receiving with five targets. Of course, the big chunk play has something to do with it, but that's what he's good at. Like, that's what he's good at. That's what he's, he's good at getting chunk plays. So those will hit, in my opinion, if he's on the field more. I don't think it's the, like a crazy end of the world right now. We're only through two games, so I'm not going to like kill Sirianni for it. I'm just, I think Kez Watkins needs to be on the field more. Yeah, I, I, I yeah, I, I think I agree with you on that. Also, just in on the place where they're not getting targeted, I think Quest actually keeps this uh, this thing of of having improved routes. I think he's open uh, on on quite a few plays. We we saw a little bit more of it here in the 49ers game, where the the snaps he got in the Falcons game, most of his like maybe all of his targets in that game were on uh, on decide um, on design screens. Mm-hmm. Um, we we got to see a little bit more here with the um, well, with the deep bomb and with the um, with the deep out as well, where he shook the defender on a, on a pretty good cut there to the outside. So maybe maybe that is what it's going to take um, to get him a little bit more in the field. Is these um, th- this performance here against the 49ers. So I want to talk quickly about because there's been a lot of talk in the media about Hertz throwing over the middle, and there hasn't been a lot of it. And Sirianni actually thought had a good quote about it. Um, where I have it somewhere. 
uh, da, 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 da. Oh, he says, outside the numbers were there and the underneath was there a little bit. And so that's just a product of who we're playing and what routes we have in for that week. And I think that's true. Like, take a look at who they were playing week one. You had Deion Jones over the middle, who's like one of the better kind of linebackers in the game, and Fred Warner in the middle, right? So I actually don't, I actually think that was kind of a good answer, in my opinion. Like, I, I, and we've seen Hurts throw over the middle before, right? Like, he did in preseason. Uh, he, it's not like he can't do it. I, I, I just, I actually think Sirianni's being truthfully honest there and saying that the game plan was just not for him to have it over the middle. I mean, and they had, there were two, um, two plays um, where where Hertz is targeting a guy over the middle. On one of them, he gets sacked. That was the sack fumble play. Mm -hmm. On the other one, I think he got, I think he got hit as he threw it, and so it didn't get over the middle. Um, and and both of those guys, his guy over the middle was wide open. One of them was Sackers coming across. So if he wasn't like if it wasn't because he got um, hit on those plays, he hits two passes over the middle, and that pass sheet looks a lot different. That has been yep. you know the pass sheet that's been thrown around there. And on, on a couple of occasions, he has guys wide open over the middle, where where he's getting pressured and rolling out uh, and rolls out the pocket to his right instead. And and, and so you don't want to throw across the body in those situations and, and go towards the middle um, that, that those are plays where he picks up first down. So, I mean, you kind of get, you kind of have to, to put the, the situation into context when, when looking at, at those plays where he could target, uh, could target the middle. And also going back to what we talked about, like you said, um, Fred Warner's on that team. They had good linebackers and they walled off the middle really nicely. And yeah. it, it, it wasn't one of those easy, Hit the hit the tight end as soon as he gets in between the hoot curl defenders because that just simply didn't happen. When he got in between the hoot curl defenders, they were getting picked up, and then you mm -hmm. are, and then you don't want to target over the middle. Yeah, so exactly. I think I think that discussion requires re requires a little bit of context. Um, yeah, I think it's a drastically overrated narrative right now. Like I, it I think is, and I think people are just clawing onto things that uh, maybe if you did this right, you would yeah. you would have won the game. If you did this right, because we weren't talking about passes over the middle against the Atlanta Falcons. No, um, exactly, because it, the, the game plan worked. And another thing to uh, transition to Sirianni's kind of game plan, and I, I don't, I'm not going to crush him for it. Like people were kind of complaining that he was throwing too deep. You didn't give Hurts a lot of like easy throws. But, like if you take a look at the 49ers, we talked about this on our pregame podcast. Uh, like the 49ers corners were banged up. Like they, they, if you were kind of trying to pinpoint the weakest part of the 49ers roster, it was a secondary. And look, and Hertz was like, I was taking a look at Hertz's stats from 11 yards or longer in week one. He was seven for eight for 114 yards and two touchdowns. So he was pretty good at throwing farther than 11 yards in week one. Sirianni and the coaching staff probably sat there and said, Hey, look, he can do this. Why don't we attack their secondary a little bit more in this game? They did, and it just didn't work out. And hats off to uh, Diamador um, Lenoir and Josh Norman. Those guys played great football games. Right. I mean, Jalen Rager keeps his he, his foot in bounds. And, it's a whole other and subject we're talking about. Jalen Hurts doesn't get pressured uh, right up in his face on, on one of the Devontae Smith passes. And he if he hits those two long bombs, we're, we're having a very different conversation exactly. right here. Exactly. Exactly. So I, I don't. I don't think there's a lot of narratives to kind of crush this offense. Um, week two, it's like still so early, and I, I again, I don't. Yeah, let's don't not the numbers, that. Yeah, I don't think the numbers match up to actually what happened on the field. Um, one more thing on Sirianni. I, I I'm not a. I think he 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 gave a. He took accountability for his red zone play calling, and I actually think he's damn right he should. Like I, I don't really like what he did in the red zone. We talked about that play to Zach Ertz where he's rolling right. There's only one route there. Call him the Philly special. Look, he, he, trick plays work. 
Everyone loves it. Trick plays don't work. Everyone crushes it. I, I will say I don't think calling a trick play with Jalen Hurts as the quarterback is a very smart move because there's always someone watching him, right, because he's a runner. Like it's not like Nick Foles like in the Super Bowl had a guy focusing on him like, oh, this guy, this guy's fast, can beat us. I do think there's something too like, hey, they have Hurts kind of accounted uh, for on every play because he can run. So I don't, I don't think maybe throwing to him is the best idea. But again, trick plays work. They, everyone loves it. They don't. But I do think his red zone play calling needs to get better. And I, he took account of it before, and I think it will get better. Yeah, and I also think it was it was just um, it was one of those situations of a rookie head coach trying to do a little bit too much yeah, exactly. and, and, and overthinking the situation and and kind of pan, uh, panicking once the first thing didn't work and then he tries to run it on the play where there was a I don't know who it was but the um the zero tech defensive uh defensive lineman so lined up right across from Kelsey the very first thing he does on the snap is he just jumps the feet of, of Kelsey and sort of tackles Selmalo. So he falls over and, and that's why Miles had to sort of jump over Selmalo. So, and, and then you can imagine, um, and you can imagine Sirianni when the first play he calls is sort of like a, um, I think it was the, was the rollout play or, um, and, and then when your running play doesn't work, it's like, Oh shit. All right. So I can't run the ball on this. And, and then you get kind of too creative a little bit there instead of just saying, all right, run it again or you know keep it keeping it simple uh i think he'll learn from it yeah, absolutely 100 it's a rookie coach right you you take your take your bruises and you move on right, anything else on the offensive side before we touch on the defensive side quickly no i think we uh i think we went around it pretty well i think okay, Kenny so Gainwell deserves a little bit of praise maybe um he just continues to be a weapon um mm -hmm. both in running game passing game um it's wildly impressive by his by his start. You know, we get caught up a lot in Devontae Smith and and Lanton Diggerson's going to get a lot of attention now. But Kenny Gainwell is maybe the most impactful rookie on the on the team right now. And another thing too, it's impressive to like. I didn't think he was going to be this involved in the offense to start. Like I, I thought, like he the, the it clearly shows that he's picking up this offense well and he's putting in the work because like no one expected Boston Scott to basically not even see the field at home for exactly. weeks. So like you, you can see the trust that they have with him. So it's great to see. All right, quickly on the defensive side of the ball before we get to the Dallas Cowboy game, um, Jonathan Gannon's defense. Uh, this is courtesy of Bull Wolf, who was on my podcast on Tuesday. If you haven't listened to an episode, check that out after you listen to this one. Looks like they're kind of starting to play and like find an identity. Um, second highest rate of zone cover, uh, second highest rate of zone coverage in the NFL at eighty five point six percent. Second lowest blitz rate in the NFL right now at eight point three percent, and it's working. Eagles have allowed the fewest plays of twenty plus yards, only two so far. So it looks like Jonathan Gannon's kind of a bend don't break defense is working, and he's it's this is Brandon Staley's defense from last year. Like this is the transition of what football is going. I've been praising Brandon Staley all offseason. I loved his defense, loved watching it. Just don't beat me deep kind of style defense. We'll take the running, we'll take the running hits early, but like we're not gonna let you beat us deep. And I, I really like what I've seen from this defense in Gannon so far. Yeah, uh, I think he, he he's done a good job of recognizing what he has with the uh, with the defensive line, and then giving his his secondary um, um, a, a better opportunity of of you know like you said play mistake free football, have safety help over the top, not giving up the deep passes, and then you know if, if you're gonna beat the defense, you know you you got to do it through long sustainable drives, and like we saw with the 49ers, aside from that uh, from the one uh, play where they uh, one drive where they got a long play for for Debo Samuel. They they succeeded in in sort of choking out the offense um, with these um, minimal gains and getting them in third and long situation, third and medium situations, then capitalizing all of that. 
Yeah, and and like the, some of these defensive players are playing with some of the best football. Like Avante Maddox playing the best football of his career right now. Um, Darius Slay's off to a great start. We're going to talk about that later, but I, I think he's getting the most out of his players. One more quick stat that I got before we went to the Cowboys. That I, found pretty, <laughs> that I found pretty interesting. I just threw this on Twitter about, about an hour ago. Eagles defense is the only defense in the NFL that has not had a turnover or one of only two teams in the NFL that has not had a turnover yet or a takeaway, sorry. And the Eagles offense is the only offense in the NFL that has not turned the ball over. Only two teams in the history of the NFL have done this. I believe it was Went 95 well for those. Saints. Yeah, I think one was 14 and two and was 11 and five, I believe. I don't have the exact yep. stats on that, but it's a pretty cool Sounds stat. Like, right. And look, he balances the key to everything, but um, – Dallas Cowboys lead the league in tur or, or in takeaways, so maybe something will give for the Eagles offense. Hopefully not. But why don't we jump in? Eagles, Cowboys, Monday night football. Cannot wait for this one. I know it's a little early, but we're going to jump into it now. This matchup, we're, we're, we're going to go through four matchups quickly. Um, we'll start with our D-line versus their O-line. Eagles' pass rush right now is ninth in the NFL in pass rush. We're with 54%. This is going to be a tough one, though. This Cowboys offensive line is pretty darn good. It is pretty darn good. Um, we're also going to see what the defensive line looks like without Brandon Graham. Yep, good um, call. Terrible uh, to lose him. You know, you can you can argue his effectiveness and efficiency, but just his presence on the field, I think, uh, speaks volume. He's always out there and yelling and having a good time, and and you know you can't under underestimate um, the power of energy on defense. Like when you give up a uh, when you give up a big play. It's very symptomatic for for a lot of defenses, just hanging your heads and, and not being able to pick yourself up and you know take the next play. I think um, aside from the from his playing on the field, I think his presence on the field is is um, very valuable. It so, sucks. It sucks so much. Yeah, know. it just sucks. Okay, <laughs> yeah, I just, it, it actually talk blows. about it in many ways. It yeah, sucks, yeah. It sucks um, so much. That he's so uh, just the, the few a uh, few notes on the uh, on the Cowboys offensive line. A lot of Collins obviously is out with the you know he probably did drugs. Um, so turn Steel is his replacement, right? As far did as he I could play, did he play last week? Yeah, turn Steel. Yeah, I yeah, that was the one guy I couldn't find anything on with the right tackle spot. So he sucked last week. He was it. really he, bad. He was not yeah. good. Okay. No, he was not good. Uh, okay. Good to him hear. and Tyler Biadash. Is that yeah? So name? this so the I, the center Tyler I put Biadaz. I don't know if that was right. Um. So that's he's a, 20, that's a lottery name. Yeah. So he's not having a good start so far. Twenty seventh and a thirty three ranked center PFF. Third last pass blocking uh, pass blocking grade. So this those are the two guys that you got to attack. Yeah. Exactly. So. The right tackle position, uh, obviously, is is a good spot to get pressure on uh, on Dak Prescott. Good call. Um, you still have Connor Williams, Zach Martin, and Tyron Smith, who are all playing at a really high level. They're still extremely good. The but guard, I think Zach Martin and Connor Williams are having an incredible start to the season. Yeah, and so I think <laughs> that matches up pretty well with uh, with Fletcher Cox and and uh, Javon Hargrave. And of course, of course, we can't we can't uh, not mention. Um, Hassan Richway right now, who's also playing very, uh, very good football. Yep. So I think the uh, the strength of the Cowboys' offensive line uh, is going against the strength of the Eagles' offensive line, and then it's a matter of whether or not um, whether or not the edges can be won. Um, I think it's uh, that that is that is going to be that is going to be one to watch because if the Eagles can get they have to get pressure on Dak Prescott, and if they can't do yep. that, it's going to be a long day. Yeah, like Zach Martin and Connor Williams. Connor Williams has not allowed a single pressure on 111 pass blocking snaps so far this season. Zach Martin is the highest graded offensive player in the NFL, according to PFF. So you said it perfectly. It's like our strength, Trevon Hargrave, Fletcher Cox versus their strength. So it's kind of two Goliaths 
hitting each other. That's a matchup I cannot wait for. And you set up perfectly. Getting it, getting pressure on that right side of that offensive line is going to be so key. All right, our offensive line versus their defensive line. I think this is the biggest mismatch in the game. I don't know if you if you can agree with this. They're without Demarcus Lawrence or without Randy Gregory. Marco Parson is playing some defensive end snaps. I There's think Randy Gregory's back. Just to just to cut you off, I think is uh, he Randy back? Gregory's going to play. Yeah, I think he was. Okay. Uh, I mean, he he. Uh, as far as I could, uh, as far as I could uh, could find uh, on some um, random shady uh, Cowboys uh, website, and I kind of cringed <laughs> as it went on there. I had to go um, through those Zoom. Don't worry. <laughs> I think uh, I think Gregory reported uh, yesterday for practice after okay. uh, after catching COVID, and he he might play. I think they expect him to play. We'll see. Okay. But but him him coming back is massive. Because uh, he whooped Mylotta's ass last season, that was by far the one of the worst performances Mylotta had. That was against Randy Gregory. Um, revenge game, baby! And wasn't that revenge Jaylen, game? Didn't Jalen Smith have a dirty shot on him too last year? Like, didn't Jalen Smith kind of headbutt Mylotta? Yeah, yeah, that was, uh, so that was this later is a, in that game. This yeah. is a big time revenge game for our big man. Absolutely. Yeah. So can't wait to watch that. Uh, but like, their Cowboys defensive tackles, like you're, they're rocking with two rookies. I'm gonna blow this name. I'm, I'm gonna blow this name. Osa, Odigzaway, Odigzawa. I gave up. I didn't even. <laughs> I, didn't, I, I don't even try. I was gonna wait until you brought that up. Yeah, so I don't even know. I, I he's a third round. I think he's a third round rookie this year. I, I could be. I could be wrong there, but I know he is a rookie. He's actually been. The Cowboys coaches are hyping him up, but the analytics stats don't show that he's having a very good year. Chauncey Golson looks like he's going to be back. So another rookie. So you're rocking with two rookies on the interior. So this is like not a only are you rocking with two rookies on the interior, but you also like the depth on the uh, in the interior is poor as well. Yeah. And speaking of depth, like the Doris Armstrong is not playing. He's yeah, the guy he's who yeah, he's out. He's out. Um, mm -hmm. So so Randy Gregory, who just had COVID, we don't know how badly he was um, how badly he was struck by it. But next to like if Randy doesn't play. It's it's, it's Mike there. Parsons like, yeah, and exactly. and he's not even a defensive end. He's a linebacker. Oh, but he played. He played. I I mean, he was flying around there. Yeah. Well, he he's he's a better downhill, but like he's he was drafted, I guess, as a linebacker. But he's a better downhill player than he was a tremendous pass rusher. Sure. Well, I remember mm -hmm. um I was talking with uh um with the Checo. Uh, leading up to the draft, and I, I wrote, I, we had, we would chat sometimes when we're when we're watching players like Andrew Jacheco yeah. of uh, Inside Birds, um, and, and we uh, we talked about like how um, how Micah Parsons, you could basically draft them and you could play them at safety, you could play them at linebacker, you could even play them at defensive end, and, and of course we don't have, I don't have the evidence for that. You just got to trust me to say we we literally talked about he could play defensive end in the National Football League, and here we are in week. Uh, week two or last week week two and now week three where he's going to play defensive end um and the thing about him the, the way that he wins is with speed and explosiveness and going back to my point on Jordan Mailata and the things that he's working on right now and getting better at and and you know the areas where he's getting beat that is against quick and explosive pass rushers a guy like Nick Bosa who when who doesn't stop when you when you meet him like you have to get your hands on a guy who is as fast and twitchy as Michael Parsons, you got to use your weight to your advantage and get the hands on him and hold him tight and hold him right into your body. Because if you allow him to twist and spin and counter move and all this, he's going to get away from you at some point. Yeah. And look, if he, he's definitely kind of be the guy you have to kind of key in on. But like, if besides that, like there's not much there, the, the cupboard is so bare for the Cowboys. It's very thin. 
So th- this is this is a matchup that I think the Eagles have to dominate and they have to win if they want to win the game. So our cornerbacks versus their receivers is I think the most evenly matched matchup in the game. Like this is this one's gonna be cool to watch. Like the Eagles secondary is quietly having a great start, and this is stat is courtesy of Thomas Peterson of this podcast who's on this podcast right now. He tweeted out Darius Slay, three catches on eight targets so far this year from 20 yards. One first down, a pass rating against a 45.8. He is having a killer start to the season. Yeah, he is. And and e- evenly matched, uh, uh, even matchup. We also got going back to the to the um, uh, defensive interior for the Eagles and the the offensive interior for 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 Dallas. Like they can make life so much easier for for the secondary if they can get pressure on Dak Prescott. They succeeded Agreed. with it a lot um, in the in the past two games. Um, and it, it just helps out the secondary so, so much to be able to have, uh, to, to have pressure on the quarterback. Um, Agreed. I think the, um, the, the, the biggest factor in this matchup is that Michael Gallup is out and that in itself is, is a huge deal. He, he's been the Cowboys leading. Re- I, I like when I was doing a uh, preparation for, for, um, for this show that we're doing now, I looked up um, the last uh, four or five matchups at Eagles against the Cowboys to see, all right, who, is there like a common denominator here? And it was actually <laughs> that that Michael Gallup dominates the Eagles. Yeah, he does. Every he's time out, we play. Out. And he's out. Um, yeah. So so they're going to have um, CD and Amari. Ma- Amari has bruised ribs, uh, and they're yep. calling him questionable at this point, but he's going to play. Absolutely, he's going to play. Yeah, uh, that's not an official word. That's just me saying it's Dallas Eagles week, and he has. There's no way he's not on. playing. There's no way. Yeah, he's no way he's not playing. Agreed. Um, so, yeah. so like I was taking a look at like so the Chargers did a great job of shutting down this offense last week, and this Eagles defense, like we talked about earlier with Brand Staley, they play very similar to them. Ceedee Lamb is eighth in the NFL in yards with 105. A lot of that was on Week One. Cooper was held to only three catches on 24 yards last week. Like the secondary of the Chargers, in my opinion, got the better of the Cowboys receivers last week. And you can make the argument that the Eagles secondary has a lot, a little more talent on than the Chargers do. I know Asante Samuel Jr. is having a hell of a start to this season. Um, but just in general, I think the Eagles, this is a matchup. I would just talk about our O-line versus their D-line. I think this is another matchup. Like if they if they can win the, those two matchups, like this, this game can get – this game is ours. Like this game is for the Eagles, in my opinion, if they can just kind of keep these receivers at bay and, uh, and, and just make sure that Jalen Hurts is protected – Last matchup, our wide receivers versus their cornerbacks. Uh, Anthony Brown is a who's the second corner? I, I couldn't figure out who's the Trevon other guy Dicks. across the Trevon Diggs. Yes. Why did I miss that? I'm an idiot. But yeah, Trevon Diggs, I didn't really do, dig much on him. But Anthony Brown is having a terrible start the season, giving up 10 completions for 151 yards on a 71.4 completion percentage and two touchdowns. 130, 130.1 pass rating when attacking. Anthony Brown, so he's having a ter- terrible start. Yeah, I mean, th- this is going to be this is the X factor matchup because um, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna give the Eagles a, a massive advantage in wide receiver yet. I don't think we've seen uh, a dominating performance enough for them to say that they're gonna like that, that they have the the upper hand in this matchup. You went back to it as well. Like the, the the Cowboys have forced the the most turnovers in the NFL. They have six turnovers. Eagles don't have a single one. So yeah. they 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 may have they they may have um, in some areas uh, a suspect defense. If like that's the I think that's the catchphrase that's been thrown out a lot. And but 
but they're, they're like it, it's working okay for them like they're 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 opportunistic they they mm -hmm. take advantage of uh, um, uh, of situations whenever they can get away with it um I'm, I'm not quite sure who would you put it the the favor of this one too would you put it to the eagles see it's tough because like i didn't i thought the eagles wide receivers didn't play a very good game last week like I, I I thought I thought Smith played it like okay like if he was fine I guess like he was open deep and stuff and if those throws hit it's a different ball game but I just I didn't think the receivers were getting much separation at all like most of the game so I, I that kind of put me down a pedestal on this all right um, but like Trayvon Diggs is 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 a great he's a solid corner he's a solid like guy there but he's I think solid, you, yeah. I think you got to hit Anthony Brown I think that's the guy you got to attack and look. Nick Sirianni, like he's definitely watched the game tape from last week. He knows he can do better. He knows he can get his receivers in a better situation. So I'd expect the Eagles receivers to have a much better game. It's just like I, I didn't see a lot last week from them, and that's why I'm keeping my expectations kind of level. Right, and, and not to sound like a broken record, but it also goes back to like it can the can the uh, can the Dallas Cowboys defense do what the 49ers were were. Um, were successful about like get, getting pressure on Hurts because then the wide receiver is going to look bad. Mm -hmm. Um, we, we came out of this game here against the 49ers thinking, damn, the, the Devontae Smith. I mean, stat line's terrible. Didn't really see him out there the, the, do that, do that many great things. And you turn on the tape and you just realize that it well, shit. The, the defensive line of the, of the 49ers were absolutely, absolutely wrecking havoc in there. And Devontae was actually open quite a bit. Yeah. Um, no, agreed. Like he, he did get open deep and he, he had the one shot over the middle. Um, like he sat in the zone pretty nicely. It's just like I just I thought that was a matchup that they should have won more. Like yeah. I thought uh, maybe like look, Josh Norman played a heck of a ball game. Like that guy came off the streets and played really well. And Diamondor Lenoir, like for he was what a fifth round pick. He's having a great start this rookie season. So look, sometimes you run into guys who just play good. And yeah, I think I think realistically this is a matchup that the Eagles should win, and we'll see if they do. But let's get into prediction time here, Thomas. We both uh, predicted Eagles. Point. Last, Last point. point. Okay. Um, on the on the uh, Eagles wide receiver versus Cowboys DBs. Okay. I think a lot of that is going to be dictated on how well Landon Dickerson plays. Yep. Good call. And and, and whether or not um, Micah Parsons become a factor. Yeah. If Micah Parsons can be shot down, and Landon Dickerson steps up his game from the 49ers uh, from the 49ers game, I would give advantage Eagles in the um, in the passing game. Absolutely. Yeah. Like Michael Parsons, their only player in the box right now. So if like, if he's not a factor, then the Eagles uh, theoretically should be able to dominate interior. All right. Prediction time here. I am currently 0 for 2 predicting Eagles games. Um, I, uh, I, I, I picked them to lose. Or no, I'm sorry. I'm 1 for 1. Sorry. I predicted the Eagles to beat the Falcons. We yeah, won. I was about My to say. Yeah. The Falcons yeah, game. Yeah. Sorry. I'm, I was one. confused. It's been a long day. Okay. Uh, 1 for 1. For one. Um, we both lost last week. We both predicted Eagles win. Uh, I I think I'm just gonna predict the Eagles win right now just for how for just for like just for heaven's sake. I think there's a lot I think my mind can change in the next three days because the right. game's on Monday, but we're not changing our schedule for the Eagles schedule. Um I'm gonna predict an Eagles 28 to 27 barn burner thrilling Ooh. win. Is it gonna is it gonna go down to the wire? Is it, it going one right down? Oh. I, let's go with Jake Elliott. Actually, no, because that would make sense. It's 25. <laughs> Okay, I'm gonna go with the Cowboys. Greg Zerline missed field goal to win, and oh. the Eagles sneak off. Greg Deleg doesn't do it back to back weeks. Eagles win 28 27. 28 27. Okay. I don't know what if it's just um. I don't know if it, if it's just me coming off uh like a um lost depression. 
<laughs> like it fell oh, down. That's, the, that's something, man. I didn't feel it. The, it's over. Yeah, yeah. You just go. You, you come back to the come back to earth a little bit after beating Falcons. Yeah, I think first primetime game for this whole new uh, staff with new quarterback um, in Dallas. They have the better quarterback, no doubt about that. I think Dallas is the more. You know, we, we just went through it that like they're they're thin in a lot of pra- uh, a lot of places, but I think they're the more settled team. Um, they don't have that many moving parts. They don't have um they don't have a a, a, a rookie right guard coming in there as well. I, I don't know. It's just, I I think my gut feeling is it just isn't that it, it isn't good in this game. No, I, I think agree. They, like I, my gut isn't there right now for I'm, it. I'm 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 expecting this is I'm expecting this to be one of those primetime games where I'm waking up at two two twenty a.m. In the middle of the night, to watch the Eagles get smacked by the Cowboys, uh, and I absolutely hate that. Uh, You're the negative know. one right now. You I am. I, like like I said, you. it's the lost, <laughs> lost depression. <laughs> um, I, I, I agree. I actually, I, I'm just saying it because I, I think the Eagles actually have to win this game if they want to. Like, if it's, it's they got a really, really tough road coming up here. Like, you got the Chiefs um, at home next week, and then you go on the road to play the Panthers, who are off the two and zero start. Then at home to the Bucks. Like if the Eagles yeah. don't win this game, there's a very realistic shot that they start one and five. Yeah, I'm. I'm I think where I'm at with this game, if I can see the Eagles come out and be a competent foot, a competent team, play good football, hang in there all the way through. I don't care if they lose uh, by a, by a little bit, because I think it's gonna take um, it's gonna take a few games or a couple games to to actually see what this team is. Mm-hmm. And a lot of like the the fate of this team is going to be decided towards the latter half of the season when they're actually playing a bunch of very uh very winnable games. So if they can go like like you just said, they're having a very tough stretch here um coming up with uh with Chiefs, Bucks, Panthers, and Dallas now. Um and and it's it's kind of a like it's a rough start for a, for a very new group. It's a rough start for a rookie head coach. And if he can keep the team together and, and keep them competitive and stay in games and progress each week, which I think they've done so far, uh, and they come out in Dallas in primetime, they, they look good, not necessarily win. I'm I sh- I'm more than than satisfied. Like I mm-hmm. I wouldn't mind losing this game. I'm I'm not giving up on that. Uh, uh, based on a loss there. Yeah, I actually don't think starting one and five at the end of the season. What in any way? Shape Absolutely or form. not. Like you, like you know what I mean. Like the division is terrible. The, after that Bucks game, <laughs> the, the schedule opens up. It gets, gets wide open. So I actually don't think it's the end of the world if they end up do losing. So you're predicting an L. Do you have a score for us? Uh a score. I go 31-21. 31-21. All right. That was another episode of Eagle Talk with D with Thomas Peterson. I, you should definitely go watch his breakdowns on his uh, YouTube channel, Breaking the Birds. They're awesome. They get you kind of they, they they give you a different perspective of what you saw on TV from the week four. So make sure you go check that out. Make sure if you haven't listened to go check my episode with Bull Wolf on Tuesday of the Athletic. And yesterday's episode is now back up of the Double Doing Podcast after some audio issues. Me and Thomas will be back next Thursday. Another episode of Eagles Talk with Eagle will be on Tuesday. Enjoy the Monday night game. It's going to be awesome. We'll Beat Dallas. Let's go.